joy we had fun we had seasons in the sun welcome to friars on the farm podcast i'm donovan and it's a dark dark it's well kind of dark day it is a dark day it's 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 dark in many ways yes i there are certain like you typical things like the minor league seasons for everybody but the chihuahuas is coming to a close um and then it gets worse when you take a look at how the padres have been playing over the last month yes and uh the game that i happened to witness in st louis was particularly brutal uh but really the breaking news today which is it's always sad to hear somebody uh get fired uh so According to Dennis Lynn, uh, President A.J. Preller yesterday informed Sam Guiney, the farm director since October 2014, that his contract won't be renewed. Guiney's departure is effective immediately. Quote, Sam has done a very good job building one of the top farm systems in the game over the last seven years, Preller said in a text. I'm proud of the work he's done in developing both players and coaches. We feel confident that we have a group of player development staff who are prepared and ready to take on the continued challenge of being a top-tier baseball development system. But what happened? So then you cut off the head of the snake? I think this is the beginning of many, many moves. Okay. I, okay. There are a lot of heads that, that will roll, to use Ron Fowler's right. uh, language from a couple <laughs> years back. Uh, but this is just the beginning of things. I, the news that came out in the last month, last week or so from AC and Lynn about what's been happening in the clubhouse, I, I don't know how you bring Jay Stingler back as yeah, manager. I, see, now I... You know, we talked about this before in, in our pre-production. Uh, I, you mean we prep? We prep. We prepped, and we talked about it. Because we just hit we, record. We just no, we don't. Although this might be a little bit more, just hit record. See, I think now let's get into this because obviously all the you know the writing's on the wall. It would, but so the writing's on the wall. But once again, a a manager, non-seasoned or not, new manager, still learning, still developing as a manager is being let go because the clubhouse doesn't like him. Mm-hmm. Because the players don't like him. Right. So whose fault is that? Is it the Who managers? likes their boss? True. Who likes their boss? I, 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 well, I like everyone, but who, you know, I listen to my, I respect the, I respect the position and may not respect the person. Okay. And not necessarily my job right now, but in other jobs I've had, like, I'll listen to you, but I may not like what you tell me, but I'm going to do it because I'm supposed, that's what you're, you know, you're the boss and, you know, you're the leader. Right. Okay. So you're used to working in a certain environment where business goes on as usual and, you know, you have good nights, you have bad nights. It's a whole different thing when there's millions of dollars on the line that there's tens of thousands of eyes watching you every single day. Every move you make is scrutinized. So when things start to go south and that leader can't, figure out what to do to get everybody yeah, and then there's like a mutiny from within right i mean then i yeah you mentioned the song billion dollar babies you billion and, dollar babies and i definitely get that that sentiment but when i hear about these clubhouses where the managers are respected and all this it's about managing egos right because really, yeah they set the lineup they make the decisions during the game but more than anything they're managing the egos in that clubhouse right right and you can't have a guy that's been in the league 10 years uh, be told something from a guy who's never played Major League Baseball what to do and how he should go about his business. And and that trust, so that trust, when when Jay Stingler was hired, there has to be the idea that, like, 
that doesn't really matter. Even though even though it should obviously it should matter. Right. The players should trust the manager. I don't see anything that he hasn't done that really doesn't I mean he really he did the one thing with Tatis last year with the you know with the hidden 3-0, fine, that's a skip. Some of the in-game decisions, fine, that's management. He's still a new manager and you can look at any manager from Joe Torre to to freaking Connie Mack. Uh-huh. And they've made decisions that look poor and bad and like what the hell were you thinking? Right. Now when you have when you have players that don't like you or won't trust you or won't listen to you because of your lack of experience in the major league, there that that sounds like a baby. It does. But I mean, there are examples of successful teams that have right. managers that don't have that experience. AJ Hinch, we talked about it last Brian week. Snitker in uh, in Atlanta right. and uh, Mike Schilt in in St. Louis. Mike Schilt, I don't think he played any professional baseball right. at all. And Brian Snicker, if he did, he didn't. He didn't play at a high level. Right, and he was so Snicker was in their organization for years. Right, and it was like about time that guy came up. Okay, so it'd be almost like Philip Wellman. Like finally, Philip Wellman gets to be a major league manager. Okay, okay, so, so yeah, so like a Pat Murphy or something like that. I I could see that. Right, but you shouldn't. I, I don't know. I there. I what that tells me is that. From the point that he first started interacting with those players, he didn't get their respect on that level. He didn't maintain that respect on that level. What that takes, I have no idea. If it's continued communication or what. Uh, But if that's the case, if he has lost the clubhouse to that extent, I don't know how you bring him back next year. Even if you get rid of the guys in the clubhouse that are causing that issue... There's there's a distrust, there's a disconnect, and something needs to be fixed. So then, so then let's take it to the next level. So then, that's the second time that the Padres. I mean, the Padres. When was the last time the Padres hired an experienced manager? It was Jack McKeon. I, I was, saw that. That came up today. I was 12 years old when that happened. I'm yes. 51 right now. Like, why do we keep hiring these? And this isn't just this ownership. This is other ownership. This is other GMs keep hiring these brand new managers. Are we and are we like manager light? Are we like here? You can get your shot here. There's no pressure here. Well, apparently Rick Renneria, when he was let go by the the White Sox, he essentially retired, hung him up, yeah. thinking that oh well, they're you know, this is the move to younger, uh, you know, more analytic savvy managers. I, and then who does he get replaced by? Freaking Tony Larusa. Yeah, and well, now he's about to take the White Sox to the World Series. Yeah, and I hated what they did to him in Chicago because Matt Joe Madden was available. Yeah, and then so he had one year, was hired. We love him. He's the greatest. Next year, oh, Joe Madden. Oh, yeah, Rick Renneria was let go today. Uh-huh. And then Joe Madden comes in and takes him to the World Series or whatever. So, yeah, I, I thought they did him dirty as well. And that's a common thing in baseball. People get done dirty. But I think I, I think Tingler has a lot more cred than than Andy Green. Or what about Bud Black? Didn't Bud Black also lose the, the clubhouse? Mm-hmm. What is it with these players that can't take direction? <laughs> what is it with these players that think so highly of themselves that – they can't be coachable. Like that's this has been the theme the past few weeks that we talk about with these other teams. Mm-hmm. They're still coachable. They're right? still coachable. But these guys and we, you know, we'll just we'll single out Eric Hosmer. Yep. You know, they can adjust my playing time if they don't like the way I hit. Right. So somebody posted a video of Bobby Dickerson working with somebody at first base from his time in in Baltimore. Yeah. And we saw him doing this in spring training this year and last year, working with Hosmer and all the guys. But when when he's mic'd up and you hear the things that he's saying about footwork and glove placement and body positioning and all this, Hosmer is doing none of that. Yeah. So obviously he doesn't respect what Bobby Dickerson has to bring because he's not changing anything for that. Even though he's the worst defensive first baseman in the base in baseball, hands down. 
Yeah, wasn't the, the the fun clip that you heard from uh, Dickerson hitting grand balls to Hosmer? Yeah. Get down there. Get your face down there. You ain't that pretty. Right. We all love that, but it didn't sound like he was doing what he was told. No, he like, has uncoachable. No, because instead he closes his eyes and pulls his head away. Right. And, okay. he, and he does the Olay thing. Okay, so 10 years <laughs> in the league or more with the World Series ring. What does that buy you? What does that buy? Well, I guess it buys you some prestige. Oh, yeah, prestige value. Right. Yeah, put but that then, in your pipe. and. But yeah. then you start playing poorly. And, you know, maybe you've lost your play in the clubhouse. Certainly you've lost it with the fans. Certainly then you have your buddies in the clubhouse because they're every clubhouse. No, I've heard and read this my whole There's clicks everywhere. Clicks everywhere. So you have Machado Hosmer in in Tatis. You know, they're trying to bring along Tatis, uh, this young 22-year-old phenom. Uh And then you have Hosmer and you have Machado. Mm -hmm. Everyone else on the squad's pretty damn young. I mean, Tommy Pham is his own orbit. Yeah. You know, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was in with those guys as well. Sure. Now, yeah, we've seen them all chatting on the, you know, on the top rail during right. games. Right. And then you see Tommy Pham give brush back to Dickerson when it came to Hassan Kim in right. the pop-up. Right. So, some, something, something's so tell me a, coming. So, tell me a Buck Showalter. Tell me a, another. Tell me Bruce Bochy. God, give me a break. How about Rick Rancheria? You, Yeah. What about him? Has he, did he play Major League Baseball? And how many years did he play? And should we run that through the players first? Will you listen to him? Right. A billion dollar babies. I, I really think, and I'm not sure you need that. You need the manager to have that respect, mm-hmm. to create that atmosphere, to be able to pull those guys back. Sure, maybe he, he needed to pull Tatis aside. Maybe he needed to pull some of the, you know, some of the, some of the leaders aside. Say, hey, look, hey, we're starting to go sideways here. You right. know, what do you guys, you know, here's what I think we should do. What do you guys think we should do? As a manager myself, I know what we should do. But if I bring my staff in on board, like, hey, so, you know, you guys are really cooking the food. What do you think's best? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, maybe we should do it like this. Okay. You know, so then we discuss it. Does it like this, this unknown? Is this going to happen if we do this? Like, that's maybe that's something he could have done. That sounds like management. Right. Right. Um, like active management, not just throw the names up on the wall and go play. Right. And I don't think, but I don't know if that's how it works in Major League Baseball. So it is a totally different thing. And there's a million other, you know, million dollars in, at stake on top of the lineup, on top of playing time. That's, you know, more and more these days is about analytics and matchups. And a lot of those lineups, and we've talked about this in the past, is coming from the top. It is. So if if the players are pissed at AJ... And they're not going to listen to Taylor for the lack of trust or the lack of experience in Major League Baseball. Aren't they just kind of pissed at AJ? I don't know who they're upset at. You know, and then not getting, like, I understand not getting, I understand being pissed by not getting starting pitching, but would you think one starting pitcher would have made a difference? Well, okay, so baseball Nick, uh, he responded to somebody that the uh, that during the Ben and Woods show, and he pointed out that it's not necessarily the decisions that it, that are being made; it's communicating the reasons behind those decisions. Right. So, it, if playing time is is moving one way or another, a player needs to understand why am I being moved down the lineup? Why am I playing this position instead of that position? Why is he playing instead of me today? So, right. when you have somebody like Trent Grisham, who's a very emotional baseball player, and he's sitting. And Tatis is out there playing center field. And then Eric Hosmer is out there at first base, even though it's a horrible matchup for him. Well, why is he playing? I'm a lefty. I hit that pitcher better than he does. Right. Why am I on the bench and somebody else is playing my position? He's out of position.
can. Yeah. So if that if they're not pulling him aside, pulling him into the the manager's office and right. saying, "Listen, okay, this is what we're looking at. This is why we're doing this." Right. Because I know me, I would get I'd get insulted by it. Right. And like, you know what? You're right. not going to play me. Screw it. Okay. I'm checked out. So that's Trent Grisham. He's had this is his first full season in Major League Baseball. Yeah. So he must be then like how would a guy with barely a year of service time affect the clubhouse that much. So then you have, well, I'm not saying that, that he's going to poison the clubhouse, right. but that's just one instance of somebody, right. you know, say you've got a, you've got a pitcher that believes in himself late in innings. And then here's Emilio Pagan going in, giving up high leverage home runs time and time again. Yeah. And then you see him jogging out the eighth inning of the game the other day. Like, why is he going out there? Right. Oh, three run home run. <laughs> there goes the season. All the while you can see like Craig Sam going, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he's, <laughs> Craig Stammen. I'm just happy to be working. Well, no, I mean, he, he's a leader in that dug he in is that a leader bullpen, in that and people respect him. He's dad to them and all of that. And the guy's a pro. So I can't see him you know, being the guy that's pouting in the corner. Um, but I mean, Daniel Hudson, he's brought over in a trade. I'm supposed to be your, your back end reliever. So why is that guy going in and giving up dingers? Just, I'm, I don't know, you know, but the, yeah, the, the decisions at the deadline, or maybe the things that didn't happen. Right. Because I fully believe that they tried to, to trade Hosmer. I think they brought Frazier in oh, with every intention of trading Hosmer, and then it just didn't happen. Absolutely. So now you've got too many people and not enough playing time to go around, and nobody's happy. Because yeah. now Myers is benched, and Pham is benched, and Kim's hardly playing, and Cronenworth's playing somewhere he's you know, somewhere else. Right. You know, and it, you can only move people around and mess with them so much. Now, you look at the Dodgers, and their lineup changes every single day. <laughs> they got guys playing three or four positions, but that's probably because they understand their role. Right. They're, right. Being, they're being explained to them, okay, Muncie, this is why you're playing second base today. You'll be playing first base tomorrow, blah, right. blah, blah. Up in San Francisco, everybody plays pretty much every day. It's like, if you're not starting, be ready because you're going to get in the game. Right. Will Myers might sit on the bench for three days before he gets into a game. And it, it, so I can, I can understand why that starts to wear on people's psyche. Okay. So that's about the manager, though. So what we were just talking about was the director of player development. Yeah. So I want to get back. So Dennis Lynn came out with this article, um, and he finished it by saying, In the meantime, Preller has traded much of his depth in terms of prospects and young major leaguers, particularly in return for starting pitchers Mike Clevenger, Blake Snell, Hugh Darvish, and Joe Musgrove. A number of former Padres, including Cal Quantrill, Ty France, and Luis Urias, have flourished with their current clubs this season, while San Diego has received minimal help from within. In July, Fangraphs ranked the farm system number 18, down from number two a year earlier. For the first time in almost two decades, all four of the Padres' full-season affiliates are guaranteed to finish below 500. And then I wanted to point out that Matt Brash, Gabriel Arias, and Dylan Coleman are flourishing as well yeah. in their new homes. Yeah. And I get the sense that when these guys were traded away, the internal evaluations of these players was not high. That, yeah, they have tools, they have skills, but... For whatever reason, they didn't value these players as high as highly as the other teams, and we're seeing it. We're seeing it come out. So maybe our player development people didn't see the potential, or they weren't able to work through whatever mental blocks were going on with some of these players, or they weren't patient enough to wait for these guys to mature, and then they go somewhere else and they blossom. Right. So Gabriel Eros really didn't. Gabriel Eros didn't have a future in with the, with the drafting of C.J. Abrams. Didn't really have a shortstop. Maybe a third baseman. No, couldn't have. We got a third baseman. We got a shortstop. Um, and maybe they even overlooked that he was on his way back. He was on his way. He was starting to hit again. Yes. And, and um, you know, he ended in the season in AAA. was a AAA player of the month. Or, sorry, AAA player of the week. Um, but we got back. We got Mike Clevenger. 
No, Mike Clippinger wouldn't have got hurt and say, you know, wins 10 games, 11 games, and he has, you know, 20, you know, solid uh, quality starts and does well. I don't think we're talking about that. I well, think we're going yeah. like, well, hell, if, hell yeah. If Lamette never gets hurt, you know, right. yeah. But if if my grandmother had wheels, she would have been a bike. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to finish up the article, he says, yeah. these trends and, and the big league club's lack of performance were widely expected to prompt change throughout the organization, even as some team executives continue to maintain a belief in the processes that pushed them into contention last summer. According to sources, some believed better internal fits had gradually emerged for the farm director job. I have, a, I have a thought on that. Okay. With the Arizona Instructional League starting this week, the Padres will lean on such player development officials as field coordinator Chris Kemp and player development director Riley Westman. Preller on Tuesday did not share a plan for replacing Guinea on a full-time basis, but many in the industry believe he will consider candidates with his former organization in Texas, which also previously employed Tingler, Kemp, and Westman. My hot take, I think Tingler's going to take that job. I think Tingler's going to be relieved of the manager duties and they're going to keep him in the organization. He was a player development guy before he was hired as manager and I think they're going to they're going to give him that job. Ooh, that's hot take. That's a very hot take. I'm not sure if that's what he would do. I'm not sure if he would like, "Hey, we're going to you're not going to longer, you know, you can't be a major league manager, but you can be our director of farm development in the same organization you couldn't coach." Well, I mean, that's you, a hot I mean, it's a good idea. It's an excellent idea, but I I'm not sure if I'm not sure if he's the guy. I'm not sure if, like, and we need to stop poaching people from Texas. Dude, Texas hasn't been to the playoffs in ever. Playoffs, right? <laughs> you know, we have to look outside his buddy system because mm-hmm. it seems to be his buddy system's not really panning out. Boy, we're sounding pretty disgruntled all of a sudden. Well, I'm, well, I. Where were we back in May when we had the. Padres had the best record in baseball, and Joe Musgrove throws a no-hitter, and frickin' uh, Cronenworth is hitting for the cycle, and everything is amazing. Losing does that. Oh, man. Losing makes you angry. Or it hurts. Okay, well, let's talk about some good stuff. Let's talk about some good stuff. You went up to Lake Elsinore this weekend and had yourself a day. I did. So we partnership the podcast and myself with you. We all partnered with uh, Mike from Adopt a Minor League Player. Uh, what Mike, adopted Minor League player, does, and we've had him on the podcast, is he uh, it's um, he is partnered with more than baseball and advocates for minor leaguers to have a uh, basically a fundraising a vessel for minor league players. So not only does he um, not only does he raise funds for um, just recently after the hurricane, Somerset uh, the Somerset Patriots, I think thirty five thirty thousand dollars they did twenty five thousand dollars he get garnered. Because that whole place was underwater. Players, everything was just washed away. Right. So the team was on the road. Right. But what you don't think about is while the team's on the road, a bunch of the players left their cars in that parking lot. Cars, gear, clothes, everything. Mm-hmm. All the, all, the, all the minor league stuff, like all the organization stuff, they can fix that. Right. The minor league players... They're not going to buy them new cars. They're not going to buy them new gear. Right. So when they're in their locker, they may have had another pair of cleats yeah. or another glove yeah. or whatever, and they have to pay for that. Own some yeah. of the guys, ha- yeah, they have a contract or they have some deal where they get bats. Somewhere. But that's rare. A right. lot of the guys that comes out of their own pocket. So what he does is, um, he 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 uh, pairs up fans of teams with minor league players. So that's what we call sponsorship. Um, sponsorship is anywhere from like sending them gift bags to, to giving them, you know, sending them money. Like we had a guy for a while that was in our, our minor league, or the Padres minor league system, sorry. And, and uh, I sponsored him. So I gave him like a hey, hundred bucks cash. 
Next month, I had 150. Here's 150. This money, it, it allows them, to, God, to just maybe eat a little bit better. Mm-hmm. You know, the the, the uh, gift bags are are full of, you know, from anything from deodorant to, like, food. You know, and um, so he does that on top of um, on top of raising money for, for minor league players altogether. So what he's been doing this year is raising money for two teams to have $20 Chipotle gift cards given to them. And that's 1200 bucks, 60 cards times 20, $1,200. They raised it for several teams this year. And I DM'd them like, hey, I, I'll be at the Storm game on this date. And it was, you know, about a month away. We can do one for the 66ers and we can do one for the Storm. And he came back. Great idea. They raised the money. I put some money in there. A uh, Rob Kaminsky put a large amount of money. And with that. Remind uh, me who Rob Kaminsky is. Former major league player. Okay. Uh, put a large amount of money. He said, well, since I'm going to put in this large amount of money, just do me a favor, put a little note on there. So I taped a little note around every one of these cars that said, be a good team, uh, keep grinding, work hard, be a good teammate, and a good person. Rob nice. Kaminsky. Um, and that dropped off. So it's it's cool that it's not just the Storm, it's whoever the Storm are playing. So the Storm are playing the Inland Empire 66ers, and I went up there Saturday. So with that in mind, Advocates of minor leaguers uh, contacted me, and they had their um, they had their fan appreciation day, their first fan appreciation day throughout minor leagues throughout the United States. So that that handle is at Adopt MILB Player. Yes, that yes, Adopt Minor League Players, and then you have Advocates for Minor Leaguers, where they had their fan appreciation day, where they wanted to garner uh, they they wanted to bring awareness to the plight of the minor leaguer. So they sent me. Um, some information, some materials, some reading materials, some of the problems, some of the solutions, and these cool little wristbands that I brought over for you and Angela. That Thank you. Hashtag fair play. And it wasn't, it's not a complaint. I didn't complain to people. I'm like, here, here's some information on advocates for minor leaguers. This is what we're doing. This is what we're up against. Did people look at you like you were a Jehovah's Witness or something? Well, you know, it's funny. When I said, can I give you information for this? They were more apt to do it. And they're like, hey, can I talk to you about this? Okay. So I, you know, I, I, I gave them the choice of taking it or not. Sure. And tons of people took it. Um, I took pictures. I, I met the starting pitcher's family that day. Oh, cool. Uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later on in the, in the, in the wrap up, um, in the rundown. And I did that. So I, I put our money, our mouths, our money where our mouths are. Thank you. There we Thank go. Thank you. Uh, and, and, you know, did some advocating. So this is at MILB Advocates. Yes. So we had them on the podcast. We've had both of these gentlemen on the yeah. podcast before to, to tell their story. Um, and it goes back to what we've been talking about for a couple of years, it feels like, about the pay and the living conditions and, and all of this, that the the players are in a, a disadvantaged situation where yeah. Major League Baseball can take advantage of their antitrust exemption um, and a whole bunch of loopholes that they've created for themselves in the, in the legal system yeah. that allow them to pay their players a substandard rate and force them into housing that maybe isn't necessarily adequate. Uh, and it, it's, it's a shame. It and is. baseball can change it. It is. And I got there, I got there late. I got there at three o'clock and the game was at six 30 and it was the day before the last game of the season. And this was on pl- Saturday. Yeah. Saturday. There were already players there. I'll mm-hmm. go to a seven o'clock game and I'll get there at two and there'll be players there. Mm-hmm. So they're not getting paid for that. They're getting, right. they're getting paid 500 bucks a week, flat rate before taxes. And, they're trying to live on that. They're trying to feed themselves on that. Sure, they get food. I saw the food that the players were were, were fed. It's a plate of chicken, some vegetables. Mm-hmm. 
But these kids are playing, you know, at an elite level. They need elite nutrition, elite amount of calories, and they're not getting it. Well, and it's not just during the season. It's it's year round. Absolutely. So, so they're, they're not only paid ex- during the season. They only get a spread on day game on game yeah. days. Yeah. And in spring training, they're not. It's not. Uh, they're not supposed to go to spring. Well, not supposed. They're not. They're not. It's it's optional. Right. It's optional. It's optional. Yeah. It's optional. But yeah, you're expected but to go. But show me somebody that says, no, nah, right. I'm going to skip spring training. Right. I'll be ready to report when you send me to, yeah. to a team. I'll hit the cages and hit grounders. Someone hit grounders to me. Right. So, you know, and that's what really, I mean, Major League Baseball can just do this flat out. If they could put a runner on second in the 10th goddamn inning, <laughs> they could put 0.01% of, of every Major League team's budget, and they could mix it in with some of the with some of the league taxes to the to the league. Sure. Um, and then they easily pay for for players not only housing during the season, but they can pay for uh, a stipend for food or throughout throughout the off season. Right. And that you know, if it's if it's the five hundred bucks a month, if it's five hundred bucks a week, fuck that'd work. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't work. It would work in the off season. It would help because it, it would certainly help. Yeah. A food. I think a food stipend and some sort of accommodation for a gym membership. Say. Yeah. I mean, Planet Fitness is what twenty bucks a month. Yeah, and just a place where they can go lift lift weights. You know, a lot of people come from privileged families, but a lot of guys don't. Yeah, and they had to find their own ways. Yeah, and then they have to find jobs. Right, because after you know eighteen, nineteen years old, you know, your parents you can't live at your parents' house at twenty two, twenty three, mm-hmm. and that happens a lot. Right. So then you find a job and you say, okay, well, I can only work till till like mid February, late February. Right. Oh, well, you know, right. temporary work. So we hear about guys working for UPS or working in some, you know. Welding shop. Uber. Retail store. Yeah, yeah, drive an Uber. I mean, it doesn't have to be like that. Okay, so last week I talked about this article from Grittany Garoli entitled Cockroaches, Car Camping, Poverty Wages, Why Are Minor Leaguers Living in Squalor? And I wanted to go back to that just to read a couple of paragraphs that were specifically about the Padres housing. Yeah. Because um, she touched on a few organizations. And I, I didn't cover this last week. So from the article, in El Paso, which has seen one of the biggest year-to-year rental increases in the country, Padres AAA players were given a list at the end of spring training with three apartment complexes. All three were booked, leaving seven players crammed into various last-minute Airbnbs meant to accommodate half that number. One player estimated about nine players in actual apartments this season and said multiple top 30 prospects with the Padres' double and AAA affiliates are on air mattresses on the floor. It's just brutal, said one player in San Antonio, adding that the nightly hotel fee of 70 bucks plus taxes means that the lodging cost of an eight-day homestand amounts to a week's worth of wages. One of the guys we traded recently had been sleeping in a living room with four other dudes. We're literally being used to help the MLB team. Why does he have to deal with that if, we, if he was an asset to helping the Padres? Those who opt to stay at the El Paso Team Hotel are charged $120 a night, making the days they pack up their cars at the end of each homestand, the team has to pay for road housing, a welcome reprieve for nearly everyone. Quote, I definitely know of some players who have spent nights in their car where the dates didn't line up with their road trip and Airbnbs, said one player from the Pirates AAA affiliate in Indianapolis, where the team hotel rate is also $120. When you think about it, it's crazy. You're a foul tip away from getting called up. The Padres provide two- and three-bedroom furnished apartments at their rookie level and A-ball Lake Elsinore affiliates this year, though players have have $420 deducted monthly from their paychecks, which amounts to about a week of wages. The team picks up the remaining costs. There are tentative plans for San Diego to help defray the costs at the upper levels in 2022, which I was very happy to hear. Yeah. The team conducted a housing audit last month and, according to a source, found no more than two players per bedroom living at any level. San Diego does not take over 
San Diego does take over leases when players move levels, a practice that isn't standard among all 30 clubs. Quote, the Padres take great pride in providing best-in-class resources throughout our minor league system, the team said in a statement to The Athletic, and we are constantly evaluating ways to improve to give our players every opportunity to be successful both on and off the field. So a statement in that paragraph, best-in-class resources, now you're comparing yourself against what the other teams are doing, not necessarily against what is air quotes, right. Right, right. So other teams are probably doing a hell of a lot less. Mm-hmm. And so they're doing barely minimum. I mean, dude, 420 bucks. If I'm paying 420 bucks a month, that's my car payment. And that's $2,000 for, that's, that's a week's worth of wages. Right. Ridiculous. I, if, if that's best in class, that's a pretty low class. It's, Yeah. You know, so at least there they're providing some level of accommodation that should be available to everybody on the team. Um, this didn't mention anything about Fort Wayne, but my understanding was that Fort Wayne had those quad apartments. Right. It was a similar kind of a situation okay. where there's it's a reasonable rent, uh, but really given given the seasonal nature of what they do and how often travel has to happen and how often they have to move up and down a level, the players shouldn't even be burdened with that. Right. The players, the team should just take care of it and they should, they've got enough on their plates just having to worry about food and paying their cell phone bill and you know, stuff that we were all trying to figure out how to do when we were 20 years old. Right. And, and it would be, you know, now with 10 year contracts, you could spend a little money on every affiliate and put an apartment complex there, buy a little small one within five, 10 years, uh, you know, within five, 10 miles of, of the ballpark. Or at least to make, make an arrangement. With yeah. somebody there. Yeah. And you think if it's in a college town, it kind of flip-flops with the college season. So by the time the students are moving out, then you've got the kids showing up to the minor leaguers that they can, you know, maybe they're in a hotel for the first month of the season. And then they're taking over those those apartments that the college kids were staying at. It's a little, college is a little different, but I, I like the idea. But it would be so much easier. To I'm, just, I'm not saying the dorms. I'm not right. saying on-campus dorms. I'm saying adjacent to the college because yeah. I never lived on campus. I always lived off campus. Oh, look at you, big man. Yeah, well, I mean, I went to community <laughs> college first. And, you were transferred in. Yeah, That's I transferred smart. in as a junior. That's smart. Anyway. I, it, it just, it needs, like, I've never seen more media about this this year than ever. And I've heard nothing but crickets coming from Major League Baseball. Well, it, it'll come. You know, this, the... The, the pay rate went up a little bit this year because of the stories that came out from from Eno Saris and Emily Walden and, and these other sources. So now what Brittany Garoli and Carlos or JJ Cooper and these other people are doing, hopefully this will start another little movement. You know, I really think the Players Alliance should get involved in this. They should. And they I'm sure they will. And they are. You know, I, I think uh, was it um, Rojas from the Mets and then Kutch. Spoke uh-huh. up for those guys the other night. I didn't see exactly the quote. I didn't see it, but I saw some reactions to it where he had, he had said something in defense of minor league players. Good. Yeah, because I understand he comes from fairly humble background. He's very humble you know, background. Wasn't a kid that grew up with a spoon in his mouth. I'm sure Tommy Pham would have some interesting thoughts on the whole thing. Yeah. He spent a long time in the minors, and Lord knows he didn't come from money. Right. So, I mean, it's one thing for a kid that grew up with a spoon in his mouth and signed a big, big bonus... That it's one thing for them, yeah. but then you get the kid that signed for five ten thousand dollars just to get a chance, or and there's somebody a hell of a lot more of those guys yeah. than there are the big money guys, or even worse, the guy from overseas yeah. that he's having to learn a language and a culture, and it's that adjustment on top of having to figure out how to finance your budget. Yeah, I made sure when 
when I uh, when I gave the 66ers the cards, I told the manager, like, tell the international guys, this is money on the card. They, they won't expire. Like, if they go home with it, because they're leaving, they got to leave this week. Like, they are showing the door. Right. Guys from Venezuela will be in Venezuela by the end of next week if they don't go to Instructs. Uh-huh. And if teams are not keeping most of those guys in Instructs and in the spring training complexes, they can, that's... I can say some really bad things about that. I saw something about that, that there's baseball, that the teams essentially take the players to the planes and send them on their way. Yeah. But they have an opportunity to apply for some sort of extension or there's... That's more than baseball. The 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 deadline, right. Okay, that's who it was. And with a country like Venezuela, where it is highly unsafe. Right. I mean, it hasn't happened in a while. You know, your Vittoriaba's family got uh, got kidnapped several years back. Mm -hmm. It hasn't happened a lot, but there's big reasons why you don't see how much those guys sign for. Because they don't want anyone to know. Right. And because other people are like, oh, look, Donovan got signed, you know, this much money. Let's go steal his family. You know, let's go do this. So... It sounds so horrible, but it actually happens. Right. It does. Didn't, it, wasn't it Maglio Ordonez or some, somebody like that? There was some big-name player, Miguel Cabrera, some big-name. Victoriaba. There was somebody else, though. But it's not, so it's not a unique no. kind of a thing. This no, thing not. happens, and it's, it's awful. Ugh. So do better, Major League Baseball. Right, do better. All uh, right, let's talk about some minor league baseball. <laughs> yeah, okay, so let's start God. our affiliate rundown. First first of all, I want to thank, and we want to thank guys from the Mad Friars. We want to thank the guys from The Athletic. We want to thank, uh, you know, Jeff Sanders and, and Kevin Acey from, from the UT. We want to thank everyone that has brought out the content that we've stolen mm-hmm. and, and used for our podcast. We thank you, thank you, thank you. We, we commandeered it. We borrowed it. We borrowed it. We so bu- MILB.com, MLB.com, Baseball you know, America. Everyone, we want to thank you guys so much. I hope you enjoy what we're doing. We enjoy doing it. And we're not going to stop. No. So no. we've got another two weeks of, of Chihuahua's baseball. Final stretch. You got there another we go. couple, couple months of Padres baseball yep. to talk about. We've got fall instructs. Uh, the roster is going to drop any day now. Yep. You've got the Arizona Fall League to cover. And then winter ball starts to start up. Yeah. In the meantime, we're going to start reaching out to guys and, and seeing who we can get on, do some interviews here and there. Yeah. So Definitely have some more content in the offseason. We keep going through the offseason. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay, so starting off our affiliate rundown, uh, starting with the uh, the ACL, the Arizona Complex League. For strike one, Baseball America came out with an article called 13 Hitters from the 2021 MLB Draft Class Off to Strong Professional Debuts. Um, so James Wood has been ripping the cover off the ball. Yeah. He's been one of the best stories anywhere in baseball at that level. So James Wood, outfielder, Padres, age 18. Wood entered the spring as perhaps the highest upside prep hitter in the class thanks to a combination of size, power, athleticism, and a solid summer track record of hitting. His spring performance was poor, however, and he fell to the Padres in the second round where he signed for $2.6 million, the highest bonus of San Diego's 2021 draft class. Wood spent all of his time at the Arizona Complex League, but as an 18-year-old, was still almost two years younger than the competition there. He hit 372, 465, 535 with three home runs and five doubles while going a perfect 10 for 10 in stolen base attempts. Wood walked at a 12.9% clip, but also struck out 31.7% of the time. That swing and miss rate will be a key number to watch for him to move as he moves up the minor league ladder. While big for the position, Wood spent all of his innings in center field in his debut. And then MLB.com on Saturday, they pointed out uh, in their Saturday's top prospect performers, they chose James Wood. On the final day of the rookie ball season, Wood went out strong with a 3-for-3 performance, smacking his third home run, driving in two, and walking once. Um, and then they they recapped a bunch of the yeah. stuff. An even 1.0 OPS 
for an 18 year old in the <laughs> in the summer league in Arizona. Yeah, striking out at a 31 percent rate, which can work, which is something to work with. Yeah, I mean he's young. He's 18. Yeah. He's right out of high school, so you can't. You, he's raw. Yeah, there's a yeah. Lot, but there's so much to yeah. build on. Well, it just goes to show you how good C.J. Abramson was to hit 400. Oh yeah. And oh. then he comes along, hits 372. That is nothing to that's nothing to snort at. But what I like is you got this big guy. He's he's got 13 walks, 18 runs scored. He's stealing bases. Yeah. I, so the guy's athletic. He's got an eye for the strike zone. You know, maybe there's a lot of swing and miss. Maybe that's mechanics. Maybe his swing is big and long. I don't know. Right. But I mean, there's so much to like about this Hell guy. Hell of a debut. And Hell so of a debut. he's done a lot to prove Keith Law wrong. That there's, I love it. There's, there's some, there's some baseball instinct in there. There's some desire, drive to play. Yeah. So maybe, maybe those guys just saw him on a bad day. Maybe he just, there were other stuff going on that made him unhappy down at the uh, IMG or wherever he was. Right. Well, and he moved to go to that IMG. He moved right. to further his to get to the development, to get to the higher level of playing, to play baseball. Right. So that guy just didn't do that, and you know has a couple of bad days. Fine. That's that's fine. So, I think Keith Law. I'm sure the information was correct. I'm not going to question what he what is correct. But I also feel that Keith Law can piss on a sunny day. Sometimes. Oh Sometimes. yeah. Sometimes. Very. You know, and because it's incredibly hard to go from there to the major leagues. So mm-hmm. it's really easy to go like, yeah, you, you know, to kind of downplay some of these guys. Well, to me, that's why you don't read just one prospect list. Right. So I take I try to cap to read as much as I can about all these guys because. It's a data point that, okay, he had a bad spring and somebody saw him on a particular day and his body language said this, but that doesn't mean that that defines the player. There's, there's a lot more to it. Right. So moving on to strike two on Thursday, the ball travels especially well in the desert air now that the monsoon is over and moisture has left the area. God, Arizona and monsoon season, it's actually beautiful. And it showed in this game in the Padres winning a slugfest in Peoria. They did get two scores innings from Matt Sparling. For his first professional save, however. We love pointing out the professional, the first professional yes. hit, first win, first save. Sparling. I almost said I almost said Spalding. Uh, Sparling, signed after the 2021 draft out of Florida at Atlantic, is a 23-year-old lefty who has debuted professionally to the tune of 9.1 scoreless innings and a 9.96 whip. In his FAU bio, he says his unusual skill is the ability to solve a Rubik's Cube in under a minute. That's remarkable. Have, That's you ever been able, cool. have you ever been able to figure out a Rubik's Cube? Dude, no. Me neither. Yeah, I do. You smash it and put it back together. <laughs> That's how I do it. I thought you'd peel the stickers off and <laughs> put it back on. <laughs> when I was on drugs. Um, <laughs> well, well, and I also get, you know, I learned how to go, and it looks like the three and the one in the middle. That's the only thing I know how to do. Just nothing. That's that's pretty fun. I feel good about myself when I get one whole face the same. And then I don't know what to do after that. Pacing the offense from the leadoff spot, James Wood scored two runs to go with his pair of hits, RBI, and a walk. The 19-year-old Wood and the IMG Academy product has a very impressive professional debut, slashing 359, 457, 500 in the ACL and has walked 12 times in 24 games, and has stolen 10 bases. Nerwillian Cedeno... I love that name. Right? Nerwillian Cedeno continues to make the most of his playing time, slugging the second home run of the season, his second home run of the season, and second in three games. In that three-game span, Cedeno is 8-for-13 with five doubles and two homers. The 19-year-old native of Rio Tucani, Venezuela, Venezuelan, debuted in the Complex League August 23rd. Tonight was the first three-hit night for Justin Farmer's professional career. The 23-year-old out, 22-year-old outfielder signed out of Florida International after the draft is slashing 302, 415, and 581 in 16 games. Charlie Aquino 
two hits, including a double, earned his first multi-hit game since August 11th when he was playing for Lake Elsinore. The 19-year-old shortstop was promoted to Lake Elsinore at the beginning of August and returned to the Complex League of, on August 21st after the storm returned, all their place in the COVID protocols. Right. I, I love the 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 non-drafted free agents. Yes. And now that last year with the five-round draft and this year with, what, 20 rounds, it, there's, there's a lot more of them, uh, but that's always something that's going to... It's going to make me smile when I hear those guys. Absolutely. Cole Cummins. Yes. Was a non-drafted free agent. Yeah, and we will talk about him quite a bit. Okay, so strike three. On Saturday, the ACL Padres won their final game of the season to finish with an overall record of 26-32, and 32, which is obviously not a major, league, a major focus at this level. The main storyline for the team is the huge man in center field, James Wood, who earned first-round money to go sign out of high school in the second round. While some doubted his hitting ability after a so-so high school year, he blew past anyone could have hoped for in his professional debut with a 372, 465, 535 in 99 plate appearances. At six foot seven, the left-handed hitting Wood played most of his games in center field and stole 10 bases without being caught once. While the complex league is far away from the majors, his ceiling and initial performance should have him near the top of Padres' prospect list this winter. As we've noted here several times, the Padres drafted River Ryan, a two-way player at UNC Pembroke, as a pitcher, but so far he's only appeared in games as a DH. The 23-year-old has made the most of it, hitting 308, 349, 436. Hopefully, going forward, the Padres will give him a chance to do both, as he did in college. It's been a disappointing season for Justin Lang, who was drafted in the first round of the yeah. 2020 draft. The big right-handed, big right-hander battled injuries and inconsistent performances and wasn't able to get out of the desert this summer with a 6.95 ERA in 22 and a third innings. He's still only 19, but as yeah, a 34th overall pick, the expectations were a little higher. No Jackson Merrill talk. Yeah, I, I didn't catch any Jackson Merrill talk in uh, in this week's yeah. round. I wasn't necessarily looking for him. Um but yeah, there's no Jackson Merrill. But got to be happy with what Jackson Merrill's done this year. Absolutely. And he hit the ground running. Yeah. He hits, he fields, he runs, he was drawing walks. You, you can't really ask for much more from a, from a high school draft. No, you can't. It's going to be fun to see those guys up in Lake Elsinore. And, you know, it's this season, real quick, before we get into Lake Elsinore, you know, I, I was kind of bummed when it turned to an A ball. Yeah. You know, we didn't know any of the guys. We're like, who the hell is this band of Venezuela? Yeah. Who the hell is that? You know? I love it now. I love seeing these guys fresh out of the complex and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of getting their first taste of, of professional ball. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. You get all these firsts. Okay, somebody hit their first home run. He got his first win as a pitcher. Uh, yeah, and you see that that freshness with the guys when they come up. And they, yeah. they really get their chance to puff their chest out. It was nice having them make their name in Fort Wayne and then come here and they, you, you know who these guys are. Right. That Oh, that's Tirso Ornelas. He's supposed to be really good. Yeah. But it's kind of the other. You get surprised by guys. You get to discover people. You get to be the. I was the first to be on that guy. Right, I was on that guy. Yeah. So I looked up River Ryan, and he he's an infielder. He, um, at UNC Pembroke, he was playing shortstop, second base, a uh, little bit of third base, a little bit of first base. Right. But he's I, apparently he's a pitcher and a DH. Yeah. Maybe he's the next Shohei Otani. Well, you know, and I tell you, because next year there's going to be a DH. There, there's got to be. There has to be. I still can't believe that that we went through the season with with without a DH this year Ugh. in the National League. I'm Ugh. surprised there weren't more injuries to pitchers swinging or sliding or getting caught in a rundown or anything like that. So moving on to Lake Elsinore, strike one Sunday, the Storm put up six runs in the eighth to lock up a victory and claim five of six in the final series of the year. It's too bad that's not the game you went to because it sounds like quite the barn burner. I, I, didn't, I went to the game before where Cole Cummings crushed a hanging slider. <laughs> and then I also saw Lucas Dunn 
Hit it inside the park home. All grand right. slam. Inside the park, <laughs> grand slam. All right. He smoked the ball. So so what I'm seeing and from a lot of play in Lake Elsinore is those guys are trying to catch anything off the wall. They're not playing the wall. Even on both sides of the ball, I've seen you know guys try to catch it, and it bounces off the wall, and when Elsinore, and that ball just shoots out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and unless your second baseman or whatever is running way out there to back right, him up. Right, right. It's just, but Dunn, Lucas Dunn has some wheels. Yeah, absolutely. So Pierce Jones connected on a grand slam. The team's second in as many days to play the final four runs. The 24-year-old outfielder had a rough 20 stretch. 20-year-old. 20-year-old, sorry. The 20-year-old outfielder had a rough stretch after his promotion from the Complex League, going just one for 18 to open his full season career. But was 5 for 14 in the series with a double and a homer and two stolen bases. The Chicago area product signed out of high school on... Day three of the 2019 draft and had a big year in the desert, posting a 970 OPS. Alec Jacob worked two innings, giving up just one earned run to pick up the victory. The run, which came on a pair of two-out errors, was the only one to come across the plate against the righty in 19.2 professional innings this summer. The 23-year-old out of Spokane rarely reaches even the upper 80s with his fastball, but gets huge horizontal movement on his pitches and has overmatched young hitters working as low as the mid-60s. So at age 23, you can't really project any added velocity? No. He might add a couple of ticks if his mechanics cleans up. I, I'm not sure what he looks like. but No, but, but mid-60s some... is Mike's league chat. Oh, That's yeah. Sunday league chat, too. For sure, but he's got some kind of a Frisbee slider that they just can't pick up. Yeah, that's, that's rad. Love it. Okay, so strike two. Um, we decided to use the Lake Elsinore Weekend Review from Mad Friars. Yeah, they started guys. doing that this year, and I love it. So top performers. The Storm impressively won five of six to finish on a high note. The current incarnation of the Storm is full of 2021 draft picks, so currently they do not feature a player on our preseason prospect list. So we will look at the top performers from the final series of the season. I just want to point out that it was a long season for the Storm. They lost a lot of games. Yeah. Uh, so for them to to get hot right at the end and win five of six that last week, that that right. shows something. After getting all that talent drafted, you know, are you know pulled from there to Fort Wayne. Right, right. So undrafted free agent Cole Cummings made the low A West in his in his personal playground last week, pacing a Storm offense that averaged seven runs a game despite being shut out in the one game that they lost. Cummings hit a ridiculous 368, 538, 895 with two doubles, a triple, and two homers. Cummings drove in 11, scored eight runs, drew seven walks, and struck out just four times. The 23-year-old Cummings starred at UC Santa Barbara and went to high school in Corona, California, just 20 minutes from the Diamond. Between the ACL and Lake Elsinore, Cummings hit 311, 426, 563 in his first 36 professional games. One heck of a debut. Absolutely. And I really think, like, that kid, I want to see him in double A next year. It's reasonable. And he's, yeah. he's the right age. At the age to, move to up. get up to double A. Yeah. It was stupid how good he was. <laughs> Not only in the complex, but he came up to, to Lake Elsinore and just, it, it's, it's almost a professional at bat. Good. Like, the guy just knows what he's doing. Nice. And nice. When, they, when they miss, he doesn't miss. Now, he's an outfielder, right? Yeah. Okay, so 20-year-old Pierce Jones had a nice week for the Storm and ended the season in grand fashion in the bottom of the eighth inning on Sunday. Jones slammed a fastball over the left field fence for a grand slam. Jones went 5 for 16 in the four games he played in the series, finishing the year on a high note. Jones was drafted by, you know, we already talked about that stuff. <laughs> Right-handed pitcher Alec Jacob pitched three innings in the series against Inland Empire and allowed just one unearned run while striking out three batters. Jacob, 23, was drafted by the Padres in the 16th round out of Gonzaga University in July. Jacob was the WCC Pitcher of the Year and a second-team All-American 
All-American in 2021. He also threw a no-hitter in which he struck out 12 batters. Jacob pitched exclusively out of the bullpen in 2021 in the Padres system and did not allow an earned run in 13 games, 12 of them coming with the storm. So that's a story we're going to have to pick up on next year when the stats start to count again. How long is he going to keep that zero ERA? Uh, I'll, I'll bookmark it. Okay. Like so many tweets. <laughs> <laughs> Strike three. Baseball America, 13 hitters. The 2021 Major League Draft. Off to strong uh, professional debuts. Max Ferguson. Another kid. He's thin. Yeah? He needs to mix in a burger. Hey, he's not tall either. No. And they're both him and Cole are both older than Tatis. So when you think about the level of play that Tatis is playing right now, like he's still, it's a boy. Right, it's so a the maturity young, young man. Yeah. So going back to that, since we're going to open that can of worms again. So there was the explosion that happened in St. Louis on, yep. what was that, on Saturday. And in that game that somebody happened to capture it. And it blew up on Twitter. To me, I saw Manny Machado taking a role of leadership. Like this big brother, little brother, right. trying to keep his head in the game. But it, it sounds like this has been going on for a while right. where Machado or where Tatis will let something affect him and then it stays with him for a little while. Right. And, and also in the article from Kevin Acey, that brooding infects the clubhouse, which I have words for. Sure. Like, sure, he's the best p- player on the team. He's still 22 years old. If I see a young, I don't care how good you are, and I'm a veteran, how's that going to affect? Why would, I, why would that infect the clubhouse? Because that's what the, he said. Because the veterans allowed it to happen. Right. And, and so and, there you go with yeah. the veterans. So the knock on Tingler would be, why didn't you sit him down earlier? Right. Okay, fine. That's just learning. You know, that's just learning your way. You know what I mean? That's not a fireable offense. That's not losing the clubhouse. That's just, hey, he needs to, lose, he needs to do that. He needs to learn that. Ooh, but at the same time, you've got a roster the most talented Padres right. roster we've ever seen that before the season started was 1A to, to win the World Series. And they absolutely fell apart. So right. I understand some struggle, some some scuffling, but to go in for a month and a half long, just downhill slide right off the cliff. Right off the cliff. That Something, something yeah. went way sideways for that to happen. Okay. And that I can see being, a, a if, if nothing else, for the optics of the whole thing. Right. They've got to bring the clubhouse back, but they need to show the fans that they're doing something here. Right. Because in May and June, we were so excited. We were on top of the world. I don't care how much these playoff tickets are going to be. I'm going to be at every game. And then now it's like they're sending out the bill like, hey, here's how much your playoff tickets are going to be. And people are looking at it going, I don't want to spend that money because I know that they're just going to lose the game anyway. Well, then here's next year's season tickets and that's more money. Right. It's more expensive. They right. have to up the price. So they have to make changes, not just to fix what's going on in the clubhouse, but also to repair the relationship with the fans, which is a strange thing to say when the team was on track to win right. 100 games right. just a month and a half ago. Okay, so I, it's going to be very interesting. And it's going to be, and I'm going to hold, I'm going to keep receipts. Yeah, on keep this. receipts. Absolutely. Keep receipts on if a new manager comes in and it's, you know, if it's someone with, with, with impeccable, it'll be something. I mean, it's always, the manager's hired to be fired. And I don't care if Gandhi of baseball came in and were like, I know I have to do this. Whatever, whoever that is. If it's a Buck Walter, if it's a Bruce Bochy type player, if it's a, a, a Ozzie Gian. I Ozzie Gian's not getting hired. I don't, right. He's got some per, some domestic violence stuff going on. I yeah, he's 
Okay. But but no, there's lots of experienced candidates out there. I should make another spreadsheet like I did last before Tingler got hired and start it, ranking everybody. It's going to be this manager's <laughs> too old school and these young players don't really vibe with the, you know, with the hard-nosed edge of a manager. You know, that's I, what's going to come out. 2 years ago that's what I was hearing and I was buying it and now Tony Larusa got hired and I was laughing at it and now look what he's doing. Yeah. I so you can't For a guy those. who probably have lost probably could have lost if not hasn't lost the clubhouse after the, after the, you know, uh, God. You're, in, you're in Mercedes. Yeah. The Mercedes. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a three and O home run, right? Yeah. Off uh, the slowest pitch. Right. Like a 47 mile an hour ball. And people were pointing out, do you know how hard it is to hit a pitch that slow, that far? Yeah. It, <laughs> after seeing, yeah. You know why they don't throw that? Because it's hard to hit it. Yeah. No, you know, but, yeah. Cause they're so used to seeing high velocity. So, I want to read what the White Sox say about that. I want to see what the White Sox say about how Tony LaRusa has, because it's happened again earlier this week. He did something that just was like, what the fuck is that all about? LaRusa being LaRusa now. Okay, but they're winning games and they're charging headlong into the postseason. Yeah, because they're because the players care. Yes. Well, I don't, you know, whatever. That Yeah. Anyways, going back to Max Ferguson. Love this kid. Ferguson's production this summer has been keyed by ridiculous walk rates, more than power or innate feel for the barrel, but it's worth noting nonetheless, especially given his defensive versatility and speed. With 31 walks and 15 stolen bases, Ferguson is at the top of both categories when comparing 2021 draftees. Sorry. Ferguson recently turned 22 and spent most of his time in the Arizona Complex League, where he hit 239, 415, 324, with 22 walks and 22 strikeouts. After being promoted to Lake Elsinore, Ferguson hit just 170, 328, 255 with nine walks and 20 strikeouts. It'll be interesting to see how he adjusts when the pitchers start challenging him more in the strike zone. As Ferguson entered his draft year with the high school with high opinions from amateur scouts on his hit tool, but he showed power a power-oriented approach with Tennessee that might not be best suited for his tool set. Ferguson spent most of his time at second base, but log time in center field and every non, every non catcher in field position. <laughs> yeah, so that was the book on him when he was drafted. Was that he kind of sold out for power his senior year, right. and the contact oriented approach, the swing became a little bit longer. Um, it's the the timing and everything that he was he was going for power more. Um, yeah, at age twenty two, I'm sure he's still filling out. And so in off season, working on strength and speed and stuff, yeah. um, he might be able to get back to that contact approach and then learn how to trust that when you make solid contact, the ball goes and because and, the, the strength will come with time. Yeah. Because nobody wants to see him turn into another Luis Urias where like the hit tool is in there. Well, hold on. Luis Urias is flourishing with the Brewers. He he is no, but it's but yeah, when yeah, you yeah, see yeah. a certain profile coming up and then he changes because he's undersized, probably going to stick at second base, yeah. uh, and really to to move he's going to have to hit and hit and hit and hit and get on base. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to Fort Wayne. Um, strike one on Thursday, uh, down 5-0 after three innings. Fort Wayne rallied back furiously late in the game with two runs in the seventh and three in the ninth before falling in extras in Dayton. The comeback was backed by three innings of scoreless relief courtesy of Edwin Bencomo. Bencomo, a 20-year-old righty from Rio Chico, Venezuela, has a 78-18 to strikeout-to-walk ratio Ooh. and a 1.08 whip in 65 and two-thirds innings this year for the Tin Caps. Bencomo was signed as a free agent by the Padres in the spring of 2016. 
A trio of walks has Robert Hassel III at nine free passes in 16 games since being promoted to the Tin Caps and 66 overall on the season. The 2020 first-round pick is slashing 250, 338, 517 in September. The game was tied in the top of the ninth by a two-RBI single off the bat of Justin Lopez. Lopez, a 21-year-old infielder from Bobare, Venezuela, is now on a five-game hitting streak. The Tin Caps got three walks at the top and bottom of the order as Ripken Reyes also worked his way on base via the three-pass three times while batting ninth. Reyes, the Padres' 30th round selection in 2019 out of USD, joined Fort Wayne on August 17th after batting 364 yeah. in nine games for Lake Elsinore. Yeah, so a little bit of growing pains for Rob, for Robert Hassel. And yeah, that's, and that's fine. That's he, to be expected. He he's a walking machine. He is an on base machine. Right, and so in September, the three thirty eight on base and the five seventeen slugging. I don't care what the batting average is. Right. If he's getting on base and hitting for power when he yeah. when he puts the ball in play, then the batting average will come around. Yeah. So what? You, 19, has he even turned twenty yet? I think he's still nineteen. I think he's twenty. Okay, but I watch his at play. I, I watch a lot of those games. I watch a lot of his at bats, and they are solid at bats. Good. The guy does not swing at crap, and he takes a lot of close pitches, and pitchers know it. Good. Like, he comes up with runners on scoring position. Like, they they pitch him very lightly, you know? And so, um, there's a fear factor even in high A with him. Good. So, he's getting better. He's commanding respect. Yeah, I, I really feel, you know, that's that's what I see. I mean, as soon as he comes up, I'm like, okay, oh, you're not going to touch him. Oh, 2-0. Oh. <laughs> front door curveball oh, okay fine uh-huh you know then sometimes he'll get himself out you know sometimes he'll he'll hit but the kid's good great the kid is definitely legit strike two on sunday brandon venezuela connected on his first homer since promotion to high a but the tin caps couldn't capitalize on the on out hitting dayton as they dropped their sixth straight to finish the season woof Venezuela 20 didn't have an extra base hit through his first 13 games for Fort Wayne, but finished with a double Friday and a round tripper Sunday. Round tripper Sunday. The switch hitting backstop finishes his first full season campaign with the 299, 393, 429 line. I didn't realize he was a switch hitter. Yeah, he hits both sides. That's interesting. Yeah. A little Yasmani Grandal in there. Absolutely. Uh, hit two, two, 299, 399, uh, 339, 393. Thank you. Yeah, and that's, four, that's a great, that's a really great stat line. line. Uh, Tristan Ronaldo's capped a strong September with two more hits to finish the month with a 400, 479, 550 line. The 21 year old outfielder otherwise had a season to forget, but the strong finish pushes WRC plus up to 104, reflecting overall production for 4% better than league average. So last week he was at league average. Now we just bumped it up to 4%. Yeah, well, what a September for him. Yeah, absolutely. He need to do more, he'll need to do more than that in the upper minors, but his final push gives him something to build on for this winter. Zach Mathis, big fan of Zach Mathis, had a single and a double to finish the campaign with seven with a five sorry, seven fifty two OPS, the best line of any current tin cap. All right, and moving on to our to strike three. This is the Fort Wayne tin caps week in review. They lost all six games to the Dayton Dragons. Fort Wayne limped to the finish line, losing all six games in Dayton. The losing streak topped the dropped the Tin Caps record to 54 and 66, which was last in the High A Central's East Division. You know, it seems like not too long ago we were saying that they were kind of on the edge of a playoff run. Of a playoff run. Yeah. 2021 marked the fifth straight losing campaign for the Tin Caps. They did play for the Midwest Championship in 2017, but finished the regular season 68 and 72 that season. Robert Hassel III had a tough final series in Dayton, notching just two hits and 25 plate appearances. Hassel did draw four walks in the five games played and struck out six times. 19. Hassel, 
the 19, had a three-homer performance in his second high-A game, but failed to match the consistency he showed all year in Lake Elsinore. Of course, it's really nothing to be concerned about. Hassel is about four years younger than the average high-A central player. Hassel should return to Fort Wayne to start 2022. So I'm, that'll be another curious thing to yeah. watch next spring. He, he'll probably get an invite to Major League Spring Training. Absolutely. And then who knows where he'll, he'll go. But that's that's a fair bet that he'll at least start the season in high A. Yeah. I mean, his first full season of, of professional baseball, and he's falling off at the end of the season. Huh. Oh, he's killed no it all deal. year. He's killed it all year. Yeah. Okay, after going hitless in the first two games of the series, infielder Uribiel Angeles finished the year on a high note by hitting safely in the season's final four games, drawing a pair of walks in the process. Angelis didn't have the same success with Fort Wayne that he did with Lake Elsinore, but his 264, 369, 361 slash line was still above league average. He did increase his walk rate to a solid 9.3% in 18 games with Fort Wayne. The 19-year-old Angelis will finish his first full season with an excellent 329, 392, 445 slash line between Fort Fort Wayne and Lake Elsinore. Catcher Brandon Valenzuela saw action in five games at Dayton and went yeah. just three for 18 with four walks. The 20-year-old backstop from Hermosillo, Mexico, broke, broke out offensively with the Storm this year, hitting 307, 389, 444 with 30 extra base hits, including 21 doubles and six homers. He came into 2021 with just one career homer and 11 doubles and 426 plate appearances. Valenzuela produced an excellent WRC plus of 120 in 15 games with the tin caps, booed by a likely unsustainable 23% walk rate. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> his strikeout rate rose north of 30%. It was just 21.2 in Lake Elsinore, and his isolated slugging dropped to 0.82 in Fort Wayne. Despite some increased struggles at a higher level, Valenzuela's performance is a huge win for an organization that seemingly lacked depth behind the plate in the lower minors. Valenzuela is a solid receiver, and his ability to get on base, coupled with his switch hitting ability, makes him the top catching prospect in the organization other than Luis Campusano. And what gets me is that before this year, nobody had heard of Uribeo Angeles or Brandon Valenzuela. Venezuela. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it, that's fine. You know, you go up, they're starting to throw better curveballs. They're starting to throw better, you know, off-speed stuff. Like, it's, it's a higher level. Yeah. They it's a little bit better. to understand sequencing, too. How to set yeah. somebody up, working inside, outside, up and down, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so the adjustments that these guys will make, they'll work on it in trucks and into spring training and going into next year. I'm excited about those guys. I am stoked about those guys, and I can't wait to see where they end up on other organizations, well, uh, other, uh, you know, top 30 lists. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a couple of those guys are going to crack the top 100. Yeah, it would be nice. Okay, so to finish off the uh, the week in review, other top performers, right-handed pitcher Wen Hua Sung pitched two scoreless innings on Saturday, marking the first time he completed two innings since May 8th. Sung didn't allow a base runner and struck out five of the six batters that he faced. Sung used a low 90s fastball and a splitter that resulted in a plethora of strikeouts. Sung struck out 46 batters in 25 <laughs> innings for the Tin Caps in 2021. His K per nine of 16.56 ranked third in the high A central with a minimum of 20 innings. Sung also walked 15 batters in 25 innings, so he'll need to find the strike zone more often at the next level. Throwing a splitter, I mean, you're going to throw a lot of balls. Yeah. Um, Once again, Sung will be eligible for the Rule 5 draft. He turned 25 on September 2nd. So as we get to the end of November, I'm sure we'll be talking about that Rule 5 draft a lot. There's still lots of players. And it's funny because David Jay was at the Elsinore game and we talked about the the Rule 5 list. It's going to be pretty extensive. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a lot of 40-man, lots of guys that are going to have to go on there and sit in the minor leagues. Yeah. Well, I mean, as we saw last year, they left some guys exposed yeah. and they didn't get picked. I, it's, it's a gamble. But yeah. you can't – if you're a championship caliber 
baseball organization, you can't be stashing a bunch of guys on your 40 man just to protect them from the rule five. Those, those roster spots are much more valuable than that. Yeah. So, so I would predict to see some, some trades from some of those guys yeah. to teams that would be willing to use that roster spot. Yeah. And a lot of those guys that, you know, they got traded last year. We're coming up soon. Mm-hmm. We're coming up soon to that uh, rule five. So that kind of opened up some space and these guys come in. Right. Gabriel, know, Gabriel Arias is a prime example of that. Oh, absolutely. So let's move on to San Antonio strike one Saturday. The hooks put up four runs in the fourth inning and Corpus Christi pitchers limited at San Antonio to just six hits. Javi Guerra, the mission shortstop back in 2017, Retired all three batters he faced in his first rehab appearance above the Arizona Complex League. The righty, who has been shut down all year with an undisclosed elbow issue, reached 100 miles per hour multiple times in the inning. Good to see him back yes. at 100%. He, yes, we have lots to talk to about him. There's lots of stuff around uh-huh. where he's going to stay, go, release, what they're going to do. Uh, those roster spots are very valuable. Going into the final game of the season, Eggy Rosario, 21, leads the league in 31 doubles and a second overall in hits with 118. At age 21. Woo! Rosario leads San Antonio with 119, 191 total bases and has had the best season of his five-year career. Posting a slash line of 284, 363, 459, he has a, hit a career-high 12 home runs in a very tough hitter's park to go along with 30 stolen bases. Through poor decision-making has led him to being caught 14 times. Yeah, that's that's one of those where you see the 30 stolen bases yep. and you think, hey, he's a speedster. But by the, if, if he's getting caught that often, by the time he makes it to the majors, he's not going to run very much. Right. And he's a tank. The guy is a, he's a tank. He's not a base dealer. Right. He's built like a, I want to say a linebacker, but he's too small to be a linebacker. Almost a fullback. Yeah, but he's still not even that tall. Yeah, he is not he's, that. He like, like, reminds me of Darren Sproles a little bit. Okay, okay. <laughs> Only not that short. Third-round pick uh, Kevin Copps, 24, uh, had his second scoreless outing for San Antonio. Copps threw 89 and two-thirds innings for Arkansas Razorbacks this year and has thrown 14.2 e- uh, innings between the ACL with Fort Wayne and now with San Antonio. In 55 plate appearances, professional batters have managed to 104, 218, 188 slash land against Copps. Nice little showing. For sure. But with that much usage, you got to wonder at what point is he going to get shut down? So are they going to send him to fall instructs? Are they going to put him in the fall league? Because he pitched, what was it? Was, he pitched 33 games for Arkansas and then 14 games as a pro. Yeah. And that's a lot of usage. That's spreading all those innings out that way. It's almost 100 innings. Yeah. From a college arm. Well, and it's a job well done, if nothing else. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So strike two on Sunday, prospect watch. Prospect watch. Matt Waldron came off a month-long stay on the I.L., but the outcome was not what he was hoping for. Womp, womp. Womp, womp. After walking the first two batters he faced, Waldron gave up two doubles and a homer before exiting the game without recording an out. The 24-year-old righty emerged this summer as he relied increasingly on his knuckleball in Fort Wayne, but things went sideways following his promotion to double-A. He posted a 5.59 ERA in, f- in four starts in August before he was shut down Excuse me, with an arm injury. He finished the season with a 6.61 ERA and 16 free passes in 31 and a third frames for the missions. After walking just 19 in his first 72 innings at high A, it's period, end of sentence. 
<laughs> so yeah, kinda... so I mean, he was one of the the hot stories of the season he was. before he got hurt. Absolutely. So I guess it's something to watch for him. He's probably they're probably not going to send him to the postseason, you no. know, instructs or, or any of that. Send him home, let him get healthy, come back next year. Yeah. But then is he going to be a knuckleballer again next year? Or I would what? I would think so. I think they're going to build on that. Certainly, early in the season, he was getting some swing and misses and using it what like eighty percent of the time. I think. Yeah, crazy high rate. Yeah. So they'll, they'll figure that out. And maybe they'll even bring him to instructs just kind of, you know, just get him working out. Yeah. You know, there's a lot more development that doesn't that goes along with not playing, you know, in the instructs than, you know, does, you know, actually playing in, in baseball. Right. So it, it's... There are a lot of guys that are there just to do drills. And right. Just to do the exercises and stuff. Not necessarily 100% game speed scrimmages and all that. I'd love to go out there for that sometime. It would, it's fun. I You can walk out there. It's just like spring training where they're just you can walk out there and there's baseball being played. Yeah. we uh, Me and Liddy were out there. God, were we out there for one of my baseball? I think we were out there for a, a, a tournament I was in. Okay. And we were at the Angel Stadium and we went and watched the game in the backfields. And it was the A's. It was the still the female uh, pitching instructor. God, I follow her on Twitter. She was still a coach for the A's and they were okay. playing the Angels. Nice. You know, tons of guys sitting around while they played a game and other coaches just watched. But the other guys sitting around are other players and coaches and scouts and yeah. stuff and maybe a couple family members. That's yeah. not it. No, actually, it was just us, the players and coaches. Yeah. So there's yeah. no fans. There's nothing. No, yeah. And it's fun to just watch. And if you know prospects, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there's that guy. I didn't know any of those guys. I was just there to watch some baseball. That's my favorite part of spring training. I'm yeah. really looking forward to going to that. Backfields. Okay, so back to the story. So Esprit Ruiz, who has played primarily center field over the last month, collected two hits as the mission's only hitter with a multi-hit game. The 22-year-old with uh, will be Rule 5 eligible this winter. Finished with a 249-328-411 line. That's just below league average after swiping 36 bases at an 84% success rate. Now, that number counts. The 36 bases, if he's, he's only getting caught a handful of times. Yeah. That is respectable. Yeah. He was injured this year, and he started to come around strong this last month that he was uh, it was in double-A, but maybe not too much. So left-handed pitcher James Reeves and right-handed pitcher Mason Fox, he struck out five as they combined to work four innings. Reeves got lit up in seven, several stints with El Paso, but held double-A hitters to a 162 average. Fox, 24, had a year to forget as he fought mechanics as he allowed 95 runners and 31 innings of work. You know, they sent him back down to development. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a stud in Lake Elsinore back in 2019. Right. And then 2020 started. What a crap season there. No minor league season there. Because mm-hmm. then this year. Yeah, I want to still- say, say in 2019, he started in Fort Wayne and then came it, up late in the year. Yeah. And Lake Elsinore went on a on a playoff run that year. They made it into the playoffs. They almost won the Cal League Championship. And Mason Fox was an anchor in their bullpen. Yeah, he's got he's got good velocity. For sure. All right, so strike three, the San Antonio Missions Week in Review. They lost four of six to the Corpus Christi Hooks, who happened to be the AA affiliate of the Astros. Yep. And it seemed like every year, in the every team in the Astros organization was a juggernaut this year. Every team in the, every organ, every minor league team is owned by the Astros. That's that's nice. That's very nice. I guess that, that helps. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> okay, top prospects. The Mission split the first four games of their final series of the year, but lost both games over the weekend to drop the series against the Corpus Christi Hooks. 
The Missions finished the 21 season at 57 and 63, seven and a half games out of first. Wichita, Minnesota, and Northwest Arkansas, Kansas City will play for the AA Central title this week. Eggy Rosario finished the season on a positive note, hitting 238, 333, 476 with two doubles and a homer in six games last week. Good for a 114 weighted runs created plus that nearly matched his mark for the season of 118. After the Missions lost top prospect CJ Abrams, Rosario played mostly at shortstop and looked capable at the position, although he's better suited to play at second long term. Rosario finished the season at eight with an 815 OPS, a mark that led Missions qualifiers, and that ranked 12th in the league. When he was in Lake Elsinore, I feel like he was playing third base more often than anything. Yeah. Left-handed pitcher Mackenzie Gore saw action on Friday night and showed glimpses of the guy who was arguably the best pitcher in minor league baseball just two years ago. Gore struck out a season-high eight batters in four innings, but also walked three, a recurring theme that has perplexed many inside and outside the organization. Between four stops of the season, Gore walked 28 batters in 50 and a third innings. For context, Gore also walked 28 batters in 2019, but tossed 101 innings. Double. Gore has not yet been added to the El Paso roster. El Paso has 12 games left, but could join them shortly. As Stewie, oh, did, did you want to tell us now about your Lakers? Well, I watched that game. Okay. I, so I watched the game uh, with uh, increased scrutiny of an uneducated eye. He The, the walks... He didn't miss by much. Like in, in, El, in El Paso earlier this year, like he was all over the place. He was just missing. And at times, I think, kind of got squeezed. So you think he was nibbling a little bit? Maybe nibbling a little bit. Still trying to find field for his pitches. Um, you know, not trying to leave a fat one over the plate when he absolutely needed to throw a strike. Okay. You know, with a full count. Um, I, I thought he did, he did, you know, obviously the results don't show it because he, you know, he had four innings of play. But he struck out eight guys. And so there were glimpses there of... Dominating stuff. I think he finished this year on a great note, and I say once again, I would not be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised now that we've had even more injuries on the major league level that they say, huh, okay, you talked about punting. If they're going to punt, it could be a spark the last, you know, in time is of of the essence to bring him up. Oh, jeez. And have him have two starts. Well, so... And it could be the spark. You're talking the major league goal. So... Uh, Chris Paddock and Blake Snell out. They're saying that they're not sure if either of them are going to pitch again this year. Yep. Jake Arrieta um, is he, a turd. He got shelled for like the first eight batters of the game, and then he said he pulled his groin and left the game, and then the next day was out playing golf. Yeah. A, a Pilates <laughs> guy. That guy does Pilates religiously. And you would, another thing about that guy, he doesn't wear a uniform when he's in the dugout when he's not playing. Really? He, he wears an undershirt. Okay. What does that say? It says he's a toad. Okay. I don't like the guy. I've never liked the guy. Right. And so he can kick rocks. Okay. So there's three starting pitchers down. Right. So what are you going to send? You got what? Vince Velasquez. And who's the other guy they got? Josh. Starts with a D. Ross Detweiler. Ross Detweiler. Yeah. You're going to put him in the rotation? Oh, my God. Although, you know, and I'll be honest. I am. After... After Velasquez gave up those three runs, he settled down. He did settle down. I mean, he, he did really good, so that's yeah. going to garner him another start. He's got fine, a, fine, He has fine. an electric fastball. He's got some breaking stuff that looks really nice. Yeah. It's just command has always been his, his problem. So he strikes me as the Balsley project that we used to see back in yeah. like 2015, 16, where you bring in somebody who's got some electric skills, and maybe there's some secret sauce that you can sprinkle in there that turns him into a, a, useful, a useful major right. league pitcher. Right. Not okay. the kind of guy that teams in playoff hunts pick up late in the season, though. But you So know. let me go real quick over the gore. I'll go over start. I, I did this. So 
this is how the game went. He's not him. pitching in the majors this he year. He's not pitching. Okay. Oh, you, can, you can keep praying, but I don't think it's going to happen. Right. I, I don't think it's praying. I, I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised. And I'm kind of campaigning maybe. Okay. So for the first inning, 16 pitches, 10 strikes, full count, pop up, up to shallow left, first batter. Second batter, K on check swing. Third batter called third strike. Second inning, fly out, double walk. Went from 2-0 to strike him out with a curve. Pop up. Third inning, 0-2, full count, K. Single, wild pitch thrown to, to second. So uh, a single, wild throw went to second. Guy advances to third. Missed with a changeup based on balls. Next guy, K. Fisted single for earned run on first. And, uh, first, fisted a single for earned run. Runners on first and second. K to end the inning. So that's kind of a little bit of bad luck. Yeah. Kind of getting bad bit. Like it was a really good at bat. Then the guy fisted one into shallow center. Yeah. Just out of the reach. A little seeing of, eye of, single thing. Yeah. Fourth inning, full count based on balls. Bounced a good change up. The guy didn't bite based on ball. K7, K8, fly out, 86 pitches. Solid. So that's solid. Yeah. Four innings. Needs to be more efficient. There's no question he needs to throw more strikes. He needs to be... You know, and higher quality batters, you know, depending on who the umpire was, like I said, he wasn't missing by much. Okay. It wasn't, you know, the camera angle in in, uh, in San Antonio is a little bit deeper where it doesn't look like he wasn't missing by much, but I was watching the glove and it wasn't like way out of the zone. It was just off the plate. Uh-huh. So there's lots to like there. Once again, I think he, you could almost say he's back. Uh-huh. He's not back, 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 <laughs> but he's like 2019... 1.5? Okay. There we go. Okay. I'll go for <laughs> you, that. you know, and, and, and so I wouldn't be surprised if you're the punt, if you're going to punt. Uh, it's not going to happen. Okay. So what you were saying reminded me of, okay, so on Saturday's game, the big league game, uh, the umpire behind the plate, I think his name is Phil Cousy, he had a crazy wide strike zone. And so Pitching Ninja, one of my favorite follows on Twitter, um, he posts this shot of, uh, of you Darvish, and he's like, 94 miles an hour paint. And there's the, the box that they show that they superimpose on the screen. And then there was this other box that was floating over it that like went way into the, the, the uh, third baseman, <laughs> right? That's the, right. The left-handed, left-handed batter's, batter's yeah. box. And everybody's like, wait, what's this other box? That's not a strike. <laughs> Today it was a strike. Yeah. For, for the pitching ninja. I love that guy. <laughs> okay. So back to the, uh, the recap. Estuary Ruiz wrapped up his final series of 2021 with seven hits in six games, including two doubles. Ruiz limped to the finish line in September, hitting just 200, 273, 329 in the season's final 18 games. As you pointed out, he was coming back from injury. Yeah. The 22-year-old outfielder will finish 2021 with a 249-328-411 slash line that's just below league average. Uh, he's going to be Rule 5 eligible. I don't see anybody taking him. No. He's crazy athletic, but he's got crazy flaws that's going to take some time to work out. Other standout performances to say that 2021 was a rough year for a reliever Mason Fox would be an understatement. Fox opened the year as a non-roster invitee to spring training and figured to have a shot at a big league call-up at some point. Instead, Fox struggled with control all year and spent some time on the development list. However, Fox did have a nice end to the 2021 season. The 24-year-old righty made two appearances last week and allowed just one earned run in three and a third innings, striking out seven while walking three. 
The free passes were plentiful for Fox this season. In 29 and two-thirds innings, Fox walked 24 batters, and his 10.92 was the highest for any double-A central pitcher who threw at least 20 innings. Despite the free free passes, his K per nine of 12.74 demonstrates that his stuff is still good enough to compete, but he will need to locate better to have any chance in 2022. Yeah, just a tough year. Common story for minor league pitchers. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to El Paso, strike one, Taylor Callaway finally earns his first El Paso Player of the Week. Uh, Callaway entered play tonight. This is, uh, what day was this? Friday uh, or Saturday? It was this weekend, right? Well, yeah, sometime over the weekend. Okay, played uh, played second in all AAA. Uh, enters play tonight, second in all AAA and average 339 and sixth overall in OBP 400. But it gets better. Meet your new AAA leader in average, Taylor Callaway in all of MILB. Callaway only trails Uribel Angeles. Another San Diego organization product, 343 average that Angeles has put up for the storm before being promoted to the tin caps. So Taylor Colway's having a fantastic yeah. season. Yeah, I, and where does he get a shot? Does he get a shot with the Padres? Is he is he a fourth? Is he a fourth infielder? Is he you know is he well Profar's there? So yeah, no, he's an outfielder. Maybe he can play a little bit of first base, uh, but he might be. Let's see, he was drafted in 2016. So this will be his fifth year in Major League Baseball, um, or in in affiliated baseball, yeah. which I believe will make him eligible for the Rule Five Draft. Okay, and I could see him being somebody with that with the hit and the on base, not so much the power, uh, but the power. I mean, you never know. I right. could see a team taking a chance on him in the Rule yeah. Five, at least to take a look during spring training. Yeah. So that happens sometimes where they'll pick a guy just to get a look at him. You know, we saw that back at what was it? Boomer white and somebody else that the Padres picked up. Yeah. You know, they picked up like five guys in the row five draft. And I think two of them stuck that year. Yeah. Uh, but really they wanted to take a look at these guys and you see how they tick. There are also the, uh, the triple a rule five draft as well. Right. Well, he's already in triple a. And oh, so the minor, it's the minor league, the minor rule league five. rule five draft, they have to be off the triple a roster okay. to be eligible. So then you get picked and you have to stay on the triple a roster. It's like that. Okay, so strike two. On Saturday, Taylor Trammell, the prospect acquired for Fran Mill Reyes and later included in the Aaron Nola deal with the Seattle Mariners, hit a basis-clearing triple in the top of the ninth inning to clinch the AAA West title for Tacoma. This goes back to that player development thing. Yeah. Fran Mill Reyes, they let him go, and he takes off. He's got like 35 homers and 90 yep. RBI with Cleveland. Taylor Trammell has had a pretty solid season making his MLB debut. Yeah. Um, okay, so they clinched the AAA West title for Tacoma. That regular season championship will be distinct from the air quotes AAA final stretch tournament to be played over the coming two weeks, which I still don't fully understand. Yeah. In 2019, Trammell hit the championship-clinching ninth-inning Grand Slam for the Padres' then-double-A affiliate Amarillo Sod Poodles, yes. which is one of the coolest moments I've seen at any level. Oh, absolutely. That Grand Slam, especially oh, after almost getting ejected, arguing a <laughs> uh, arguing a, a strike call. Yeah, he, he had he, uh, you know he came up a couple times this year with Seattle and had some good games, and yeah. then they just either for some reason or another he didn't stick. But they also had Jared Klenick. Yeah, come oh, up. And, oh, he's on the fringe of their major league player yeah, pool, but yeah. one more solid year, and he could find himself as a regular MLB starter. Absolutely, absolutely. We hope the best for Taylor Tremont. What an outstanding guy. Yeah. Taylor Colway had a pair of hits to overtake the lead league in batting average at 342. The 27-year-old has reached base at least twice in his last 12 starts and is now fourth on the circuit in on-base percentage at 402. He's finishing his best professional season hot, batting 404, 484, Woo! 615 this month. Now, it is late summer in Texas, so it's hot, 
and the air is dry. That monsoon moisture is gone. So the ball's flying right now. It is. After four, late, after four straight scoreless appearances to start his return to AAA, Joe Bimel has now given up seven earned runs in his last three appearances over four and two-thirds. In he gave finish. up the triple to Trammell. Yeah. The 44-year-old lefty has a 3.99 ERA in 29 and a third innings since joining the organization in June. But with that kind of a, that kind of a run to the finish line, it's unlikely that he's going to get the call, yeah. which means I will never be younger than the oldest player in Major League Baseball again. Wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> Despite appearing in only 39 games with El Paso, Jose Azokar is tied for the league lead in triples with seven. Overall, between San Antonio and El Paso, Azokar has had his best season of his eight-year career with a slash line of 289, 355, 456, with 42 extra base hits. I wish I would have had a chance to go to, to El Paso this year. Jose Azokar is somebody I would really love to see. Just yeah. watch, him watch him around play. the field because I have a feeling he's an exciting kind of a guy. Yeah. He sounds like a fun person, and all he's done is hit and yeah. run, and yeah. he's done everything the Padres could have asked for. Yeah, where does so does you, do you put him in with a trade? Where do you put him on the roster? Where do you, like where does he fit in our plans? I mean, if he can stay on in AAA for the next year, and he's a great insurance policy. If you have an opening at the major league level, you need right. somebody that can come in and do everything in the outfield. He's your guy. Yeah, absolutely. Him and Taylor Colway. So strike three to finish out El Paso. Before the game, the Padres released left-handed pitcher Kyle McGrath, 29, who had been in the organization since 2014. The last of, or the second to last of the AJ Preller guys? There, of there, the non-AJ Preller guys, sorry? There's, there's still a couple. I know Carlos Belen, okay. uh, pitcher who I think is in AA. He was a converted... Third in, yeah, baseman, I want to say, um, and then Denelson Lamette okay. it, it comes from before the from, from the before times. Okay, when he was drafted in the thirty sixth round in two thousand fourteen, he made it to the big leagues with San Diego twice in two thousand seventeen and two thousand eighteen, which is an incredible accomplishment for anyone taken that late. While the rest of the minors will wrap up Sunday, the AAA will continue through October sixth, so we could see more roster moves on Monday if the organization tries to get players from AA to High A. So what happened on Monday? So what happened on Monday, Pedro Avila, Nick Kuja, and Javi Guerra all joined the El Paso Chihuahuas. Yesterday, watch for other additional now that the seasons for other affiliates have ended. Great year for a friend of the podcast, Nick Kuja. Absolutely. But who was left off that roster from the AA and the AAA? McKenzie. Yup. Well, it's just not timed up for him to make his next appearance yet. Yup. So maybe what? He pitched on Friday? Yep. So then his next day would probably be <laughs> Thursday? Saturday. It was Saturday. Okay. So Sunday, then, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday. He'll pitch this weekend okay. in San Diego, make his MLB debut. Oh, he's home. Oh, hot, hot take. Hot take. So Robbie Podorsky finally made it back. Yes. Love that kid. He he came up to AAA and was just hitting triples left and right. All he does is hit. Yeah. And he's one of the he's gonna the, one of the fastest guys on the field anywhere. Yeah. And then left-handed pitcher Nick Ramirez cleared waivers and was assigned to El Paso. So that wraps up the rundown this week. We got a couple of steaming hot takes this week. Woof. Yeah. yeah. We'll and see. Man, it's going to be an interesting next, what, couple weeks to finish out the season. Yeah. So, so we'll be keeping an eye on what's going on in Lake Elsinore or what's happening in El Paso. Yeah. And hopefully we'll see some uh, rosters for fall instructs and the, the fall, uh, the Arizona Fall League. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll and see. We might have to take a week off just to get some more information. We don't want to do an El Paso episode but, but there's wow plenty. look at you okay we're happens. doing it we're in next week next week <laughs> 
we need to bring consistent content because yes. nobody else out there is podcasting right now. God, I know. And and for the for John Conniff, if you're still listening, thanks, buddy. <laughs> thanks for thanks stick- for everything. Yes, thank you for sticking it out to the end. You, you know, guys. he's the one that consistently listens to the podcast. Yeah, because he's DMing us saying, "Hey, you got this wrong." Right, which we appreciate. We do. Fact checker. He's our own I, fact checker. I do appreciate a fact checker. All right, well, you can reach me on Twitter at SD Donovan. And I am at Zippy underscore Chievan. We could both be there. We had joy, we had fun, we had seasons in the sun. But the stars we could reach were just starfish on the beach. We had joy, we had fun, we had seasons in the sun. But the stars we could reach were just starfish on the beach. Welcome.